Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. All right. We are back. We do have the full crew here. Uh, we just got Flip in the back, getting his makeup and everything right. Hair dead, everything there. That, that, there he is. Little, there he is. That blank spot right there in the screen that you know David is now kind of sitting on top of. Eventually, that will be Flip. Uh, but let's go ahead and get this thing. There he is. Let's go ahead and get oh, this thing fired up here. We've got uh, the full crew in. And, of course, we're going to start with the man, the good doctor, Eric. How you doing? How you been? What you up to, man? Things are good, man. Um, just, uh, you know, enjoying the off season so far. Uh, I, I, th- I think I, I hit the peak of degeneracy last Saturday when I watched a bootlegged stream of an FBS game that I bet on. Um, but, you know, other than that, things are going great, guys. Whoo, boy. <laughs> we might have to start, uh, you know, sending you some things out there. Intervention might be in order about midway through. Off, this there's off nowhere season, to. There's, off season barely started. There's nowhere you, to you, go. Like I, I probably spent like, uh, I probably spent, uh, you know, like two or three days, like my off season resolutions, and then they, you know, I broke them the same way I break the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Skull Jerome, Skull Clifford, oh, and Miles, my man. What's good? How you doing? Good, What's busy, tired. A lot, lot of go- a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on in the personal life. So, you know, but I'm, I'm glad to be here. All good things. All good things. And he made it. He's with us. The man, the myth, the legend, the Flip Mozzie. How you doing, my man? I told y'all I'd be here. Thanks, thanks for waiting. Good to see y'all, Skull Vikes. Look at, look at these fonts. Look at the names. Look at the yeah, style they- we got going on the podcast these days. I know David is out here doing work, setting me up for failure when I got to uh, to to step in while he's you know out of town, just uh, do, going deep into the bag of tricks. Next week it's not going to look like this. I'm just letting y'all know right now. We look good right uh, now. We look real Wait, good. David, David going on vacation or something? What? No, oh, David's got some news. It's David's news to tell. But you know, David may need to step away to do grandpa things. David, what's the news? The news is my number one daughter is due in three days. And she said my number one daughter. Well, I got three. And the easiest way to track them is number one, two, three. three. (laughs) And she's due to pop in three days. Uh, She can't wait for it. She's at that point in the pregnancy. And uh, when that happens, I will turn everything over to Jason. He will do his thing on the PC since I do th- my thing on the Mac. And it won't look as nice. <laughs> and you guys <laughs> will continue. And I'll be the one calling in and harassing. Congrats, David. Yeah, congrats, That's man. Big news, man. Congrats, David. Looking That's forward excellent. to adding a new Viking fan to the family. I mean, let's hope not. Let's let the, the child be happy. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's let them choose. <laughs> let them choose huh. happiness. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get going, you know, viewers, go ahead. If you haven't already done the thing, hit subscribe, ring the bell, tell your friends to do likewise. But let's jump in. We got some stuff to talk about. And I'm going to start off. If you haven't already, 
We will link it in the show notes. But Eric dropped another banger this week talking about the importance of weapons for an offense. So for a really long time, we've kind of considered um, it good enough to have, you know, in some cases, if you look at the Packers and Devontae Adams, they have one elite wide receiver. Um, You look at, you know, the Vikings, we have two top tier wide receivers, the Chiefs, they had Travis Kelsey, they had Tyree Kill. And so I think many of us operated under the assumption that if you get two elite players at the position, that's really good enough. That's going to be what you need to carry your team on to, to victory, into success, into the playoffs. And so with us having the two weapons that we have, you know, the, the talk around kind of Vikings Twitter, Vikings fans online is that we don't necessarily need more weapons. The offense was fine. If anything we need to do on offense, we need to go out and get a big name uh, for the interior offensive line. We need to sure up the offensive line with a splash player, maybe someone early in the draft. Well, Eric wrote an article that wasn't necessarily about the Vikings, but it could be about the Vikings. And what Eric found was that as you play stiffer competition, which is what you'll see in the playoffs, and that is where we want our Vikings to be, we want to win a Super Bowl, which means we're going to have to play some good teams, some good defenses. And uh, Eric found that, you know, having secondary, uh, tertiary, What's the what's what's for Eric? I don't even know that one. But you know, quaternary that one, quaternary weapons become super important when you're playing really good teams. So Eric, break it down in terms all of us here can understand. What did you do? What did you find? And how would you apply what you found to our Vikings? Yeah, um, you know, ultimately, the you know the the thing is is these defenses are getting smarter and when you play more important games the defenses have weapons that they can use against you as an offense and you know 15 20 years ago when Randy Moss was on the Vikings you know they needed a secondary guy because most teams are playing four defensive backs at least you know 67% of the time or so And so, you know, you could take two of those four and double team Moss, and then you had two alone. And if if your other two guys could beat single coverage, you left two backs in the block. That was sort of like the way of the game. But now, you know, teams are using nickel and dime, you know, 75, 80% of the time. And if you have two great targets, I mean, you know, a team like the Rams, the six defensive backs, they can put two guys on locket. They can put two guys on Metcalf and when the Seahawks don't have a secondary guy, um, you know, that gets foiled, uh, especially when you can get a pass rush and stop the run with your front four. Now that hurt them against the Packers because Aaron Donald wasn't there to sort of be the second part of that equation. And then you look, you look at Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, seven defensive backs drafted in the top four rounds in the last three years. Um, and so when you look at Kelsey, Hill can be double teamed. Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, no show. Uh, you know, none of the secondary players for the Packers in the NFC title game played well. Both of those teams were without the left tackle. Uh, so then they get there with four. They cover with six on the back. And you really need a third and fourth option to take advantage uh, of defenses. Otherwise, you know, they can kind of swallow you if they have enough good players on the back end. So if we're thinking about the Vikings, then... Like, how would we take this applied knowledge and use it to inform an offseason strategy? Like, what should the Vikings be looking to do? 
Um, and like to kind of roll into one of the next topics that we had, like if we're prioritizing like needs and like not just like who's the worst player on the team, but like that we want to replace, but like needs in terms of players that we need to replace or players or positions we need to add that are best going to help the Vikings, not just maybe make the playoffs and hope to maybe win a, a playoff game, but like make some actual noise in the playoff and, and you'll know, go on a run. Like where are the positions that we really need to be looking at to, to bolster things for the Vikings so that we are in a better position when we get in the next season? Yeah, it's, it's really, um, you know, it, it's really a good question because I think most of the, most of the the talk with Minnesota is okay. You need a, a better right guard. You need a better left guard. You need Kirk to step up. You need all these kinds of things. And in all honesty, right, it's a little bit different than that. It's it's you need to enhance your strengths. Um, you know, Justin Jefferson's a terrific wide receiver. Adam Thielen, I think, is um, every bit as good. Um, but you know, every bit as good as he has been. But imagine how much better they'd be if they face more single coverage, you know? And I think that that's when people look at how to, you know, when people look at how to, um, you know, fix the Vikings, part of fixing the Vikings is enhancing the strengths more so than it is patching up the weaknesses. I love that. So miles, uh, you know, one of the strengths, the wide receiver course, I'm a, I'm a lead with you here. You know, we've talked a lot in the last little bit about like deficiencies, whatever, Let's talk about what the Vikings could be doing this offseason if, you know, weapons were the thing that we were looking at. Like, free agency, draft, what are some names, what are some things that you'd be doing to make the Vikings' strengths even stronger? Yeah, well, one of the one of the things I've been harping on for the last, like, four years now is the fact that the Vikings need to find we've, – we've, we've known the last four or five years now that the Vikings have operated with, a, like, with two elite-level receivers – they trade Stephon Diggs, and they still find a way to keep two elite receivers with Justin Jefferson. And to Eric's point, all of that's great, but when you get into higher-level games and situations where teams can focus on those two in the passing game, uh, the issue comes, who do, you, who do you find for that third receiver? Well, Kyle Rudolph doesn't create a lot of separation. He's not a guy that's going to burn you down the field. So the, w- the way they use Kyle Rudolph doesn't really create – doesn't make him like a, a great third option. Kyle Rudolph was a good player in his prime. All those things. I think Kyle Rudolph's a you know really good red zone player. Um, the ideal situation though would be to focus on finding a, another guy that can stretch the field. I think one thing that, or at least get quick separation, at least get open quickly. I think um, you know you need a guy that can threaten a defense because it, as a, as a third option, if that guy can't threaten a defense and scare a defense a little bit, then they're not going to really provide any kind of uh, true substance. Then a team can keep their one on one coverage on that on that third player because they're not worried about them whether it's deep deep or winning in immediately so um you know chad bb's not really that type of guy chad bb can work within five yards and that seems about it um but i think you can find a lot of guys that can do that um i think you know if we're looking at names there's a few names that i've looked at i mean i've talked about this offseason so the vikings are in a weird situation right now if they really want to commit to going all in they have the flexibility to create cap space and backload a couple of mid-tier level free agents if they want to do that to help bolster their roster. They can do that. They didn't do it last year. They chose Michael Pierce and Tajay Sharp, and then they said, we'll cut everybody else, and then we're going to focus on the draft. Well, that only takes you so far, especially in a team that wanted that felt like they were in a rebuild but didn't want to admit it. 
So they were in those that weird situation. So where the Vikings could look to um, adjust some of those mistakes is using some of that mid-tier money, let's say, and focusing on a guy like a Curtis Samuel, a Nelson Aguilar, you know, or you know, one of those one of those types of receivers that they threaten the uh, defense down the field. You can use them in a variety of ways, and they're going to give you a lot of options that plan for the plan for the best, hope for the or plan plan for the worst, hope for the best, right? So, like we talk about, like you don't want to lose. Like, what happens if the Vikings lose an Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson? Well, they're screwed. Um, we we saw in twenty nineteen, like, yeah, they lost Adam Thielen. Stephon Diggs took on a lot of that weight, and they still were successful. But I don't think it was because BC Johnson was the guy that stepped up to be, to make make himself a really good receiver too. I don't think that was the issue. I think what 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 the solution was. So, you know, we don't want to go into a situation where um, they go into a, they, they fall into a situation where one of those guys gets hurt, they miss it an extended period of time, and you have to run out Chad Beebe and, and BC Johnson as your two and three. They're just not going to cut it. And so, like, if you find a Curtis Samuel and Nelson Aguilar, those guys can win in one-on-one coverage, and they can also burn you downfield, and they can be used in, like, a gadget-type role. Or And also, on top of that, they could be, like, your your punt returner, which I think people always focus on kick returner. Punt returner has become a more important position, I think, than than kick returner just based off of um, the way uh, special teams has operated the last few years with the, with the rule changes. So if you were to spend uh, I don't, I don't want to get into the ballpark of dollars, but I think he's more of like a mid tier uh, wide receiver free agent and Curtis Samuel, just based off of the, the free agent market, you know, you could get him on a backloaded deal. He's not even 24 yet or 25. I think he's just under 20. Like he's like 24 right now. Um, not in his prime. Um, he's a guy that has, has shown really well in Carolina and he's kind of on the emerge. He's the type of, you know, the player like a Linval Joseph or a um, Captain Munderland where the Vikings are getting these guys right before their prime, but they're getting them below, uh, you know, the higher market rate of guys. So, like, they don't have to break the bank for them, but they're going to get an immediate impact. And so getting a guy like Curtis Samuel in here to pair or to, to be a trio with Adam Thielen, who's aging, he'll be 31 when the season starts, and then an emerging Justin Jefferson, I think having those fallbacks in place, it just helps create um, more opportunity and more dynamic playmaking. And then that opens up things for, for Dalvin Cook. That opened things up for Irv Smith. You know, it helps everybody. Kirk Cousins, everybody gets, you know, gets to reap the benefits if they're willing to adjust some of that philosophy and focus into making it more about their weapons in the pass game. So, Flip, uh, one of the things that I often hear is, like, what about Irv? What about Irv Smith? What about, you know, Conklin? We've seen... Uh, you know, when, you know, Rudolph was out, those two come in and play well. Can they be like the next options? Are they good enough? Or do you think that we need to continue to, you know, go hard at that wide receiver position? You know, again, obviously with the caveat that the Vikings are going to open up the offense to the point that that receiver actually matters. Right. Yeah. I think, again, this all comes down to to scheme and how, often the Vikings intend on on using the talent in the receiving core and at tight end. With Irv, it's it's really about, you know, the fact that we don't know is pro- is the issue. Uh we have to see the Vikings test the ceiling for Irv Smith Jr. in 2021. And, you know, just really go for it in like just pretend he's Travis Kelsey. Pretend he's George Kittle. And maybe you're not going to get those same types of returns, but set up this offense for 
the future where it's not just Justin De- Jefferson, it's Justin Jefferson and Irv Smith. And if they both hit, then you've got wide receiver tight end for the next five to seven years, because this offense, I think what, what we've seen and we need to level set because people always saying we're negative. So this offense is really, really good. And it's about just putting the finishing touches on this thing schematically and talent wise to make this offense spectacular, um, to make this offense one of the best offenses in the league. And I mean, elite, I mean, top five. And how do we get to that? You get to that by seeing Irv Smith Jr. break out. You get to that by um, by con- by changing your scheme to lean on Justin Jefferson to feed Adam Thielen more than he's ever been fed before, um, even when Stephon Diggs was injured. That's how you really enter the conversation. And the Vikings have the talent, if they can just plug a few holes cheaply, they have the talent to actually enter that conversation. Flip, I think you make such a great point, which is the Vikings offense is really good. Like, you know, I think anybody who's not being tongue in cheek about Kirk is is willing to admit that. Right. Like, but the you know, the the Rams are a pretty good offense. The you know, the Seahawks, like all these teams that weren't good enough to, to make it, you know, to where every Vikings fan wants them to go, which is the Super Bowl, like the bar is pretty freaking high. And I think, you know, just take a look at Tampa Bay, right? Take a look at New England last year, 12 and 4 team who missed out on the playoffs because they were terrible at the wide receiver position, et cetera, et cetera. Think about what they both of those teams did. They saw Antonio Brown and said, look, this is an opportunity to get better. And while I don't know if Antonio Brown would fit in in Minnesota, you know, he's kind of a get him to the ball game type of guy. Um, but like there are other players who have weaknesses that, you know, that they're not perfect players, but are extremely talented that the Vikings should never rule out of the conversation um, because those are the kind of players. I mean, you think about even look at Kansas City. Kelsey was like kicked off his college team. Tyree Kill has his issues. Kareem Hunt uh, had, you know, like they took they took chances on a number of players, and obviously not everyone has worked. Um, but you know they 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 put a premium on talent. They put a premium on talent at the skill position spots, and generally speaking, that pays off. So to me, like they have to kind of look outside the box too. I think because they're you know them and a bunch of other teams, the cap situation is not going to be pretty, um, but they can make it a little bit more palatable for them. Well, and, and with a new offensive coordinator and Clint Kubiak, what does he want to do with this offense? Like, we know it's going to be a, the outside zone. It's going to be a run-heavy type of offense. But at the same time, does he see more of an approach of what Kevin Stefanski saw in 2019 where there's more, you know, pre-snap motion, there's more movement, there's more, like, I guess, overall creativity and, and, and work, work, more work in the screen game, which we didn't see from Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak is very traditional in the calls that he made. There wasn't a lot of like overall creativity. Um, it worked for the most part, but at the same time, you know, what does what what wrinkles does Clint Kubiak want to bring to his own offense that we might not have seen from from his dad and you know and, and people before him? Like, you know, it's not just gonna be a, a cut and dry, everything's gonna be the exact same. At least I wouldn't expect it to be. Now I know 
Zim's going to have his his clutches on the offense and making sure that you know they're running the ball enough. But at the same time, at what point, at what what pushback and what say does Clint Kubiak have in what direction his offense goes? And if that's like, hey, I need another receiver, I need another weapon to this offense, you know, and and how I vision it, are they going to help make sure that they do that? I mean, and to I'm, answer I'm, your I'm question, a, Ryan, and to answer your question, Ryan, that. I think uh, Curtis Samuel's quote unquote overpay is more of like a like he still still makes him a mid tier free agent in my opinion just because the wide receiver free agent free agent class is really deep and well, so I think unless some of those guys get tagged or whatever I don't I don't see him getting like you know wide receiver one money I don't I I just don't see why you would go with a veteran free agent yes Curtis Samuel is young but for what we know about this rookie receiver class and the depth that it has, the talent it has, for what the Vikings have in their in their receiver core, which is an aging Adam Thielen and a need to produce, an, I would say, an heir to Adam Thielen. If you're going to call Jefferson a Diggs replacement, then the Vikings need an heir for Thielen. Why would you – I mean – I'm not even going to ask the question. I know there's an argument to <laughs> to get a veteran receiver here. Proven, I want, proven talent. About it's, both. It's clear. Curtis Samuel is not a proven talent. Um, what do you mean he's not now, a proven talent for what? Like, what do you? This is all. This is what my whole point is. Flip. If if you're if you're basing your expect, it's all about what you're basing your expectations on. Okay, I'm not being better Curtis than Samuel, BC Johnson. He's better than BC Johnson, but at the same time, like, so what are you? So what rookie receiver taken in the first round? How do? How do you know that? I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you that they shouldn't do you it know, in the first round. They shouldn't look to do it in the first round. I'm just saying there's a thing like the. We'll see. Everybody talks about the Vikings wanting to draft an edge rusher in the first round. They haven't done it in over a decade. So right, like, but they just should. I'm not. Again, I'm not disagreeing with you, but look, I'm just looking at the way their track records go and where I expect this team and what they look to do and where they value their players. If they're not going to do it in free agency, I don't expect them to take it high in the in the draft. That's the, and if you at least do it in free agency, okay. it it makes it means that you don't have to force yourself to do it in the draft. That's what free agency is supposed to be about. It's addressing the immediate needs and filling your holes and adding Re- to talent that's that's proven. It's not all high end level proven talent, but it's proven talent nonetheless. But it's a look at the next year, and what I'm saying is, let's look at the next three to four years. Let's look at the next five and, years. When you and someone like Curtis talk, Samuel does that, though, I don't think he does. I I mean, you would you could have said that about Aldrick Robinson or Tajay Sharp or any of these oh. guys that they that they bring in here. Curtis Samuel does nothing for me other than just and also oh. ran. That's basically a slight improvement over Chad Beebe. Oh, okay, I he got, can run I a couple go. reverses and return punts. That's not enough. That's is that not all you saw from Curtis in the backfield? Though I feel like I feel like all you saw from him. Though I don't think it's even about talking about a specific free agent because we it's mid February. We don't even know what the free agent class looks like. There's going to be roster cuts ar- among all 32 teams. There's going to be bidding wars for. There's going to be surprise bidding wars. There's going to be some players that are highly valued. There's going to be some bargains. And so to to name a specific free agent that we're interested. In right now doesn't make sense because we don't know what the market even looks like. I yeah. just threw to be out a fair, name. I did ask I him a question. Um, I, I, I just, I just, <laughs> I threw out a name. I threw out a name that I consider a mid-tier wide receiver free agent. That's all. I think he's I a would mid-tier prefer free agent. A rookie receiver early first three you rounds. Could do both. 
I think right. I think that the answer we, is yes to everything. Yes. I feel yeah, like, like Rashad, Rashad Perriman, for example, would be somebody that yep. uh, I think could really, you know, help them. You know, don't you? I, Ryan, some, Ryan, we're not drafting Tony. <laughs> Kadarius. If they get a Kadarius in the second round, that wouldn't be so bad, I feel like. But, um, but well, what you, about like, what if they. What if they went with somebody like, you know, somebody said Aguilar. I don't I don't think the Vikings want to touch Sammy Watkins at this point. Keelan Cole's an option. Keelan Cole. You know, yep. Richard Higgins, if you, you know, you get, uh, you know, flip, him being flip, healthy. Flip. What, are, what are your expectations for these players? Because they shouldn't stop you from drafting a player. So, like, my, ex- that, like, my expectation for the for the receiver would be to have a better – 2023 than he has a 2021 that would be my expectation for the receiver we bring in well but but that's the whole thing is you don't have to just like free agency doesn't it is it can be about the this year and and down the road but it also can just be focused on 2021 which sometimes they do like you'll see which shouldn't be the planet receiver with what they have right now that's what i'm saying it's not about 2020 21 but it also can be also be about filling a hole now and then still drafting in someone that you develop and not putting all that expectation on them as a rookie like that. All those things can work. I mean, if we're the Colts and we've got 80 million in cap space and good picks, sure. We can, Elon we can draft Cole, a receiver Elon and Cole, sign a receiver. Keelan Cole is not going to break the bank for you where that would stop you from doing that. Come on. And now. Keelan Cole is going to be nothing in 2023. Okay. <laughs> You're missing the point, but that's all right. <laughs> I'm not missing the point. I'm like, I, it's it's a it's a deep receiver draft. So look to the draft for a receiver. It's a not a, it's not, not a deep offensive a guard draft. guy who can help you, and then also pick up like Elijah Moore. And, because because the defense you know, got has eight holes. Jalen Darden. But what about it's like one t- pick. so it's, for guys like Tampa we have Bay. lots of picks. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay got what? They had Tyler Johnson in the fifth round value. They had, you know, who's the Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller. They got right. they got Gronk to go with OJ Howard and, and Cameron Brait. You know, Godwin Evans, and then they still go with Antonio. Like to me, and again, this is this is not necessarily a this team just won the Super Bowl. Let's follow exactly what they do. But it's more of a Let's take every single good opportunity that comes our way. And I agree with Flip. I, you know, if you have to pay Samuel $15 million a year, that's not a good opportunity. No, <laughs> and know, that, like, that's, that's not too much money. That's, that's not mid But, if, you have to, like, but right? if he falls like Robbie Anderson, like last year's wide receiver class was Amari Cooper, five for a hundred, a whole like chasm of stuff. And then was it Robbie Anderson? Was it like two for 20, one for 10, something yep. like that? If two you get 20. that fall off and you get that next guy, that's huge, right? And then that's you can – that, that, Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, obviously, if Kurt Samuel's looking to get $15 million a year and he gets it from somebody, the Vikings probably shouldn't be the team to do it. But that's why I called him a mid-tier free agent because that $15 million for him makes him more of a tier one free agent. You get him at like 8 to 12 in that range. I'm not saying it has to be. But like somewhere in there, that's at least a little bit more of a reasonable idea. And that's where I talk about the backloaded deal, where you're focusing on, you know, this guy having smaller cap hits right now, and that those cap hits get bigger as your cap 
grows because they have a lot more flexibility after 2022 right now. They don't have that flexibility in 2021 and 2022 because of their current roster construct. But beyond that, if they wanted to give a guy a four, you know, three, four year deal, they can do that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's to me, it's just like, don't turn yeah, down an David opportunity. Moore. Yep. Yep, yep. I agree. Don't don't turn down your don't turn down an opportunity to be, you know, to get better. You know, David Moore is another one again, I think, as far mm-hmm. as if he's um, you know, if he's available at good price. He he was, you know, part of my example with Seattle where they weren't good enough after Metcalf and Lockett, but maybe that was just how he was used. They were <laughs> using a lot of two Vikings. tight ends. So. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Curtis Samuel is ranked 34th on the athletics free agency list right now. Like that is, that's high. That's not, that's not mid tier. Okay. I'm just flip. I just threw out a name out there. If he gets right. more than what, than a mid tier free agent, good for him. Stay away from are, wide receiver, from think, free agent wide receivers is my overall take right now. Given what's in the why draft. Can't they, why can't they go cheap and draft somebody? Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like they can still do. Yeah. That, they can the get a I'm, cheap I'm piece. They can get like another Tajay Sharp, but that's not going to. Okay. There you go. Like, <laughs> and yeah, all right. So flip, I'm putting. Fun. Now I'm, I'm putting you on the hot seat now because you you've come at Miles pretty hard here on just you know his idea around getting some more help in the the wide receiver position. So Flip, I want to I want you to walk me through what the Vikings need to do this off season to put themselves in contention in 2021 or 2022. Tell me what the the perfect flip off season looks like in order for the Vikings to really turn this thing around. Yeah, I I think everything I'm looking at right now is, again, a two to three year plan. It is not a fill holes, reinforce strengths, go for the go for the championship in 2021 type of build. So I'm not that interested in bolstering this defense and getting a defensive tackle, getting an edge rusher bringing in a cornerback and signing a safety. I just don't think that's realistic to do all in one offseason. I think the first thing the Vikings have to do, and it's this is the phase of the offseason we're in, is say, which of these young guys are going to be able to fill the holes in front of them? So we can look at tight end and we can say, okay, Irv Smith could potentially fill, grow into a bigger role at tight end. But you don't have that discussion at defensive tackle. Um, I don't I don't know if you have that conversation at safety. I don't know if you have that conversation at at defensive end. So that's really the first step is is saying, okay, do we like the young guy at this position? Did Hardy Nickerson step in and play well? You know, did did Chris Boyd show enough to convert to a different possession or to bring to to be counted on as a cornerback? in 2021 and then same and same for the offense is Ezra Cleveland doing can we say for sure let's put him at guard or let's put him at tackle because that's going to inform the rest of your offseason right there I think wide receiver it's kind of clear you know we didn't see enough from Chad Beebe or BC Johnson I would like to look at Adam Thielen's age and say look it's time to go for youth here and hopefully Jefferson Smith 
Adam Thielen is enough for 2021 before we see some bigger things from the right wide receiver core in in 2022-2023. Split Dalvin Cook out, put him at wide receiver. I don't care. Um, but those are the types of moves I'm looking at long term and young guys. Who are the young guys that we wanna wanna reach for starting roles in 2021? So that's it. We're just we're not we're not looking to add or bolster any positions. It's just play the young guys next year and then see how it goes. It it is. It's literally play the young guys. It's look get a vet cornerback, get a vet offensive guard because we're already young on the offensive line and we're already young at cornerback. So maybe bolster those positions with veterans. But other than that, you're either looking towards the draft. You're not spending a ton of cash. And it's a little boring, but I think it's more prudent than trying to just kick the can down the road another year and having to deal with an even bigger mess when we hit free agency in 2021 or 2022. So Okay, so Ryan Ryan to- asked a good point, raised a good point, though. So, like, that is maybe the prudent long-term team-building strategy. Now I'm going to throw it to Eric because you've talked about this before about maybe the incentives being misaligned between what should happen and the pressures facing the GM and the coach. So Flip's talking about slow build and kind of stretching this out for the future. Now, if you're Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, and the pressure is really on you, what are you looking to do this offseason to get a team that looks like they can compete, maybe can get to the playoffs, maybe win a game in the playoffs. Like what are, what are your priorities and how are you building that roster to get the team um, into a position where you're not worried about them going four and 12? Yeah, that's like the whole thing. Like my, my worldview as far as NFL building is, you know, you make good draft picks and, you know, and you have to be under the assumption that, you know, you build a team, you know, from the most valuable to the least valuable. And then, you know, now I'm sort of thinking about second order things like, you know, I'm assuming all the haze in the barn. If I'm Tampa Bay, I got my quarterback, I got my defense, I got my offensive line with Tristan Wirfs, I got my receivers. And what's the like the last thing I can do to sort of fortify this situation? Or what did Kansas City do because they had their quarterback they had their defense they had their wide. like what happened to them that sort of kept it from being a repeat for the vikings it's just different right like we're all my thing is is like the vikings have already done it like they have 15 draft picks last year um the the year before they took a center in the in the first round they they took a uh you know they've taken a right tackle in the second round they've taken um you know they they've put the pieces in place my assumption, like if they do, if those pieces don't hit, there's nothing Rick Spielman can do to 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 revive this team, right? If Gladney and Dantzler stink, like there's not a whole lot they could do, right? Like, and so the the hay is in the barn, in my opinion. There, to me, it's it's about what can they do to sort of like enforce those things, and that's why you know I agree with Miles in that, like, okay, you got to go out and get you know, a veteran receiver because they, they, it's clearly been difficult for them to draft one um, aside from Jefferson. But, you know, the, the guys that the Stacey Coley's of the world, like never work out for them, basically. 
And then, you know, on defense, like, I think you got to find like the Logan Ryan of last year. You got to find, um, you know, a linebacker that can, you know, Josh Bynes is like a guy like that's available to be your third linebacker at times. And then, you know, you need to make sure Danell Hunter's not only healthy, but happy. And like, though, to me, that gives you a great, because right now the Vikings don't need to throw a Hail Mary to win the NFC North. They need to, I think, just win 10 games. I don't think Green Bay's a, a, a lock and Chicago and Detroit are kind of a joke. So that, that'd be my thing is just stay the course. Cause if you don't stay the course, you can last another year, but you're going to, you're eventually going to get found out just like they got this year. Right. So stay the course, trust the guys, you, the 15 players you drafted last year and, and, you know, you know, supplement along the way with this draft and this free agency. Yeah. See, I, I, I agree. I agree with you, Flip. And, and I'm, I'm all about the planning for the future, not just the now. And I think that's what the draft is about. And I think where the Vikings have done good things with that as well as finding those mid to mid mid tier free agents that that come cheap, but they they can continue to develop. Um, you know, again, Linval Joseph's a great example of that. Captain Munderland did that. Um, I think they um, they've done that with a few other guys as well. I think you know those options are out there for the Vikings to find, and that's why I talk about mid tier because I think. The Vikings aren't going to operate in the in the tier one free agents because they don't have the cap space. And also, for the most part, it's usually not always the best of ideas to operate in those spaces anyways because you just eat up a lot of cap space for one player when you can go get multiple players for you know that can be solid contributors for you um, with instead of paying one high price free agent. So I think you know the Vikings are in that realm where they can go find players that can help them down the road in free agency, not just in 2021, but it happens to help them now. And Rick and Zim, you know, from the sounds of it, their seats are a little warm. So like, you know, I think Courtney Cronin talked about it. She talked about, you know, their seats are warm. It's warming up. So like, uh, right. It has to be right. So the idea of them to sit back and just kind of continue the course. Yes. It, it's important for them to do that. And and that, that mindset of it's not just about 2021. We got to think about the future. But they also have to think about their futures, and their futures are now. And so that doesn't mean I'm not saying that means go spend a second round pick on on Yannick Ngakwe, but that doesn't doesn't mean that they have to sit back and do nothing in free agency to help bolster their roster. And you talked about cornerback, you know, cornerbacks, D line. I think that's important. Uh, left guard, that stuff's important. I think those are areas where they should address in free agency. But that doesn't also mean they can't look at helping at adding to their their weapons as well in, in free agency if they were to do that. And that doesn't mean they have to break the bank to do it. Well, the the positional the the po- positional discussion is just that. I mean, we can go back and forth whether sure. defensive tackle or wide receiver is more important. I think that's all fun and game, that's fair and game. But what I hate about the GM and, and head coach can't afford to to wait or look long-term conversation is like Eric just said it. If, if the Viking, if they're not, if Zim and Rick aren't looking long-term, then they should have already been fired. There is literally nothing they can do. If, if the draft picks that they've already made don't pan out, there is no combination of free agent guard and free agent safety and you know cheap veteran linebacker that's gonna save their jobs they have to develop the young guys that are already here and draft some more so that's how you keep your job it's not about making a bunch of you know desperation moves to try to 
win 10 games and survive to 2021 because the high impact moves are in the rookies and the player development from the unknown spots. The un the thing, the, the guys we're not even talking about like a big year from Chris Boyd or a big time sophomore year from Jeff Gladney, Irv Smith Jr. Stepping up in his third season. Those are the really impactful moves over Josh Bynes and Curtis Samuel. No, I, so I agree. But the issue you're running to is like you talk about a Chris Boyd. They, the Vikings have seen enough. Well, I'm just using him as an example. I understand your point, and I agree with your point. There are some mm-hmm. some of those players that are that that would look to step up into situations because of where they are for their roster, their money. But you can't always rely on those players. Like I think because you've seen enough from some of those players. So I agree with you that the depth and the youth need to be developed, and they need to get their opportunities. But some of them have been given some of those opportunities that you no longer can be like, okay, you're still going to be a reliable source for us. Like, I love Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes, I'm a big fan of Mike Hughes. I still yeah. think there's potential there. You can't go into 2021 expecting anything from Mike Hughes. And that's an unfortunate situation for him. It's an unfortunate situation for the Vikings. But he's one of those players that, you know, the player development, the youth, all those things you would hope you could rely on him. But just based off injuries, based off of some of the play, you can't go into 2021 being like, well, Mike Hughes, you got to start and we got to just deal with it. That's just not a scenario they can go into with some of these players. And that's that's more of what, I'm, what I mean by that. You got to head right. some of your bets by bringing in a, a veteran cornerback. Even if that veteran quarterback costs you $3 million, at least you have someone that can help supplement. And if Mike Hughes decides to stay can stay healthy and outperform that veteran, that's even better. But you can't always look in these situations where it's just we got to hedge our bets on all these young players because you can't do that in every situation in every position. Well, and that's that's kind of what they did with Kirk in the first place, right? Like they right. they almost got to the Super Bowl in 2017, and they said, "Well, you know, they're not saying this out loud, but they're saying like, well, you know, we have a great defense, and you know, the quarterback position is something we've sloughed on a long time." Um, you know, let's go ahead and get a quarterback, um, and, you know, pair that with the defense, but it's like, you know, that the the hard part is, is there's so many interconnected parts. If you like, I don't know what the the process would have been had they kept Keenum or had they kept Bridgewater and, you know, you know, drafted Lamar Jackson or something like that. But, you know, I know that they'd be in a better position financially, you know, and and they'd have more options. Yeah. Uh, the moment you draft Kirk and we knew this back in 2018, the moment you pay Kirk cousins, you become extremely dependent on the NFL draft to develop your football team. And overall, I don't have, you know, huge, huge issues with the past three Vikings drafts since Kirk got here. But unfortunately they just have not panned out to the level you need them to. And yeah, now the stakes a- were higher. Yeah, and, right. and now stuff matters. Yeah, yeah a lot stakes, of fans the... now want to go free agent and rookie, try to mix both together. Well, you still can't do that when you when you, you knew you wouldn't be able to do it when you got Brock Cousins here. So bringing in these free agents is still an issue. It still has to be a draft dependent process each off season, and we need to start hitting on more of these picks. Yeah, the I mean mid, that's... the mid to, the mid to late late ones are the ones that are really important because those are your yeah. depth players because you can't afford to pay for depth, you, so you have to develop and and draft depth, and that's some of the issues that we saw we saw in twenty nine in twenty twenty. 
Well, the team right. captain strategy uh, did not work <laughs> out, so maybe we'll just go for the uber athlete, hella productive strategy in the mid rounds uh, for this year, and just take some some chances on some lotto tickets and hope right. that they pan out. You know, just take some guys with some dominant traits or dominant uh, production and bring them in here and maybe just have to coach around some of those things or, you know, help some of these young guys mature uh, and hope that they can hit into some players that outplay their position versus just, uh, oh, yeah, you know, he was a captain or everyone went to his birthday party, so we should draft him. For KJ Osborne uh, season coming. <laughs> sort of like the like the exact opposite of Kirk. Like I feel like Kirk had like the empty birthday party, unfortunately. <laughs> wow. Wow. We go straight in. I think they balanced the scales uh, there, didn't they? I mean, the that's day. the thing though. Like the the draft has different stakes for different teams, right? And the Vikings, when they made the bet on Kirk, made the draft. A, a lot higher stakes and like the you know teams are going to do that now. like teams are like that now i mean when the bucks like let's say the bucks extend godwin let's say they extend levante david and let's say they extend um i'm trying to think of who the other one Jack is Shaq barrett if they extend all of those guys and have to cut some like mid-tier players well the draft's going to mean a lot more to them right when when patrick mahomes is making you know 10th pick money you know, the fact that they screwed up a Sammy Watkins signing, an Anthony Hitchens signing, a Frank Clark draft and trade, you know, trade a first round pick and signing, none of those really mattered. If, if now that Mahomes is making 25 and then eventually 40, That's 50 million bucks, they can't, they can't screw up the draft anymore. You know, oh, like back in the first round. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like that's it. Like that was that's yep. the whole thing. It's like the Ravens were considered a, a can't beat team. What did they do in the first round? Linebacker, running back. What did the Chiefs do? Running back, linebacker. And like what the playoffs I think showed is that like, and the regular season was more that way for the Ravens. They actually came on strong at the end. But it's like none of these teams are are stable enough to handle that nonsense. You know. Like mm-hmm. neither team is good enough to, you know, eventually you run out of tackles if you're the chiefs. You know? right. All right. Well, gentlemen, we are coming up on time as always. Thank you for coming through viewers, listeners. Thanks for coming in, joining in on the conversation. Ryan coming through with the heater here at the end. Kirk with <laughs> Bo Callahan. <laughs> Couldn't yeah, let that comment that go. <laughs> I didn't do it. It was Eric. Terrible it was movie. Eric. It's a terrible ass movie. <laughs> Netflix put it in the comedy section, so like I, I, I got a good <laughs> chuckle out of that the other day. Does, does Jennifer Gardner <laughs> has has Jennifer Gardner ever been in a movie where she didn't look like she was crying, or she was like about to cry? She's got like Electra? it's not like R, it's it's not RBF, but it's like you know resting sad face. R, I mean, I want all my picks back. It's because she knew what movie she was in. You mean Robert (laughs) Robert Brzezinski of the Cleveland Browns? I want all my picks back. (laughs) All right, Joe. Well, thanks for coming through. Uh, As always, it's a lot of fun. Listeners, viewers, thanks for being with us. Subscribe. And, uh, yeah, David, play the music. Skull Vikes. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like subscribe and ring the bell for notifications and if you're listening to the podcast please rate us on your favorite aggregator
Go, everybody.